Thank you for being here to worship with us today. My name is Kirk Jones. If I had not had the privilege to meet you, um, I have the honor to serve here as lead pastor, and we're so glad you're here to worship with us. And I have, I have some things up here with me today. These are, these are medals, right? And these look like I won. But that's not what they mean. That means I ran. That's all it is. It's a participation medal, right? Like you finished, right? And actually, as I was thinking about all these medals that I have for running races, the truth is I bought this and then you wouldn't give it to me till I finished running a really long race, right? Like I actually paid for this when I paid to run the race, right? Like, and so that's what these are, right? And, and there's some type of reward, but they're, you know, it's kind of an interesting kind of reward. But I have these two and these mean different to me. They're, they're not as pretty as some of the other ones. But the reason why I like these more is because I won these two races. Now, what I mean by I won these two races is I ran the old people part of these, old, these races, all right? Like, uh, I, I, ran, I, I won out of my age group, right? Like, you have to be a certain age to qualify to run in this group, and I make that age. And, and so I enjoy that because it's a little bit more, if you would, a return on the investment, right? Like, if I'm going to go out and do all this running, I want to win because I'm Kirk Jones and I like winning. I want to return on the investment, right? Now, I know what you should, some of you think, oh, you should just enjoy doing that because you're taking care of your body. Yeah. I want a medal. Right? They don't give medals for taking care of your body, right? Like, there's, right? Like, there's just, it's harder to kind of experience that reward, if you would. And so today, I want us to think about the difference between what is a reward and what is a return right? Because there's some things that we do in life that we expect a return from, right? Like if you make an investment, if you get some money out of it, that is not a reward. That is a return, right? And you should expect certain things out of it. But, but how does God work in his kingdom? The kingdom of God, how does it work? Well, that's really what I studied really hard as I was gone this summer on my sabbatical. I read through the book of Matthew, studying in particular um, what Matthew has to say about the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. He talks about the ethics of the kingdom, but he talks in, in so many ways kind of about the economy of God's kingdom. I want, I want to teach you this principle today. The, the economy of God's kingdom is one of reward, not return. He speaks of a lot of reward, but the thing is, is when you have a return on something, like if I put money into something and I'm going to get a return, what do I get back? Money. That's how a return works, right? Um, but a reward is up to the person who is giving it. You know, um, that we would trust the Lord to, to be a God who rewards. And so we're going to be talking about this series, in this series, Inflation, How to Be Faithful to God in an Unstable Economy. And here's why I want to talk about it. First of all, I did this study this summer. Oh, that came off. I did this study this summer, and it's been on my heart and mind, but also because I see some things that are going on in our world and in our culture, and people are dealing with some things. So I want to ask some questions today, see if anybody else has experienced anything like maybe I have recently. Has anybody received an electric bill recently that you looked at and you kind of went, like trying to see if maybe your eyes were starting to go bad? Because like, surely those aren't the numbers that I'm reading. Like, I have to be seeing that incorrectly. And has anybody had that experience recently? Yeah? Yeah. Has anybody gone to eat at a restaurant, took your family to a restaurant, kind of a restaurant you've been to many, maybe several times, and you, you walked in expecting one set of prices, 
You walked in and there was a new set of prices handwritten on the menu. And you thought, I wish we were not here. Anybody else had that experience? Like, we should have eaten the food in the refrigerator, right? Like, I wasn't planning on spending that much money today at this restaurant, right? It's completely changed, right? Hey, guys, we're all sharing quesadillas. That's it. We're getting one order of quesadillas, and then, you know, don't whine about it. There's food at that. No, all right. Have any of you had this experience? This is one I've had a couple times recently. And the way I handle our money, I send some money just automatically out of the checking account into the savings account at certain times in the month because I have some bills that I don't pay every month, right? They're, they're coming every so often. And quite honestly, I'm just going to be honest about it. If I don't do it that way, when that bill comes, I'm not going to have the money. So I make sure it gets moved over. But sometimes I've moved it over at the end of a pay period. I've kind of looked at the account. I was like, mm, I actually kind of need a little bit of that money back in the account. Right? Anybody else experienced anything like that right now? You walked into the grocery store and said, you want what? How much for milk? You know, one of the dumbest things I did this year was um, we have a, a car that, that gets like, that we had a car that we, I had access to that gets like 30 miles to the gallon. And I decided to drive to Arkansas in my Sequoia, which gets 11 miles to the gallon. And when I filled it up for the second time at the time for $120, I thought, I'm an idiot. Right? Why did I do that? Right? But I didn't even think about it, right? Because that's what I always do. I just go in my vehicle, right? But all of a sudden, things cost something different. So what I want us to do is I want us to spend some time looking at God's Word. And what does He have to say about money? And I know some of you are already mad. Pastor's talking about money. Pastor shouldn't talk about money. You know, pastors who don't talk about money don't talk about what the Lord talks about. Because the Lord talks about it. He says some very direct things about it. You know what he says about money? He says it is more difficult for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven than it is for a camel to go through an eye of a, the eye of a needle. I don't know if you know how big needles are, how big camels are. But then he goes on to say that not everything is impossible with God. And I still want to see a camel go through the eye of a needle. Like I'm still looking to see that happen. But you know, like, uh, he says things like this when, when he's dealing with the rich young ruler. He tells him to sell all that he has and give it to the poor and then come and follow him. And the man goes away sad because he had great wealth. And um, Jesus asked him that because he knew the man's heart, it says. So today we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6 in the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus is already teaching. He's kind of teaching about the kingdom and how it works. And he's talking about some things that are just very spiritual practices and how you can do good things and get no reward, no, no, no benefit spiritually from them because you do them for the wrong reason. Did you know that you can pray and it not be to your spiritual good if you do it for the wrong reason? That's what, that's what Jesus tells us. If you pray in such a way that everybody hears your fancy praying and praises you about how good you pray, that is all the reward you're going to receive. There's no benefit between you and the Lord. Because you're not really praying to the Lord, you're praying for an audience. You can fast in such a way to be noticed by other people instead of growing in your hunger and thirst for the Lord. I'll be honest, I, I, I try to practice fasting some in my life, but I've never fasted for long enough where I needed to put oil on my face so that I didn't look like I was, you know, getting in trouble. Like, that's what it says. When you fast, like, make sure you look good. I've never, I'll, I'll just be honest about it. I've never fasted long enough 
where I, if I, you know, I, that I needed to hide it from people. But don't be the person, you know, all of a sudden, you know, it's, it's, you know, somebody brings cake to the office. Oh, I can't eat cake. I love Jesus and I'm fasting, right? right? Let me make sure you all know I'm fasting, right? Although you can bring cake to the office. Nobody's fasting. And so, and then there's this, there's, this, there's this other one. He talks about praying. He talks about fasting. He also talks about how you give to the needy. To not give to be seen giving. Right? Like, I don't know if y'all need this. Is like on YouTube, man. There's, there's people who make money off of videos about them being generous. And their act of generosity creates more income than the generosity. Right? Like, and they're being generous, but like, it's about, hey, look, I'm being generous. Now, everybody pay me for being generous. Right? If we're not careful, we have some really interesting approach to things. And so in the midst of this, Jesus says this, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Where your heart is with the things that you treasure that are of great value to you. Now, I want us to make sure we understand something here. It says, do not lay up, do not store up. Do not, do not live your life to amass these treasures here, but instead live your life in such a way that where you are amassing treasure is in heaven. Now, I want to make sure we understand something. The word that's being used here for treasure actually speaks that there is a certain level of value to the things in this world. Like, if we're not careful, we get it all wrong. Like, man, everything here is worthless, and it's just, like, no, everything here has a particular value. The right thing, the thing we have to understand is what, what we're being called to do is we have to give the right things the right value. Like, it's spoken of again by Jesus in Luke, in the parable, it's called the pair of the rich fool. It says, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, man, who, am, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Man, our world needs to hear that truth. And he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I, I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, that, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. I want to stop there and I want to make sure you understand something here. He already had barns. And there was nothing wrong with it. He already owned a place to store up that which was the result of his hard work. Does that make sense? And there was nothing wrong with it. But when he was blessed by God, all he saw was, now I need to tear that down so that I can get more for myself. And he didn't see anything else. And, and actually, he goes further. There's a heart issue here. Because then he, he talks to himself in third person. Which, by the way, if you're talking to yourself in third person, there's probably something going on you need, might need to get some help with. All right? <laughs> he's talking to himself in third person here. All right? and, and he says, and I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasures for himself and is not rich towards God. 
There was nothing wrong with him having barns and storing up that which was the result of his hard work and labor. But when his life was all about storing up for himself's treasure and in not being rich to God, he was a fool in what he did. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. It goes on to say this in Matthew 6. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is this darkness? Real, just kind of simply understand this. Man, the things that you set your, your eyes on, those are the things that bring either light or darkness into your life. It is, the eye is the lamp of the body. It's the lamp, the soul, the lamp of the life. And it goes on to say this. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The word money there is, is the word mammon. It means the love of possession and earthly things. You can't serve both. You cannot serve both God and yourself. And I think one of the hardest things for us about these types of passages is that the way Jesus speaks to this, I want you to just, let's just be very real about it. He doesn't leave any neutral ground. And I think that's what we all want. Can, can we have some neutral ground? Like, Lord, I, I don't despise you, but I am kind of living a little devoted to gaining this stuff right now. But what he says is you're going to be devoted to one. And what, what's the other? You despise it. Well, Lord, it's not that I just love all these things, but I, I don't hate you. Right? Like, does it, everybody else feel that struggle sometimes in the soul? Right? But it's, it's love and hate. It's devoted and despised. Now, I want to make sure we understand, though, what, what mammon is. And, and here's the way I would express it to you. The, the unhealthy version of this is this. Is, um, and this is a kirkism, which means it's a statement that's probably hard to understand. You might want to write it down. Because I like to say things in a way that twists them back and forth. I don't know. It's just what I do. Oh, there's nothing wrong with having something until you have to have what you don't have to have. There's nothing wrong with having something until you have to have what you don't have to have. There's nothing wrong with desiring a thing. There's nothing wrong with wanting to, to gain sorts of. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with saving toward getting to the place where you can afford a thing. But when you have to have the things that you don't have to have, there's something wrong in the spirit and heart. When I have to have them. See, the, the thing about the economy of God and how it works is we can live for earthly return or we can live for heavenly reward, but we cannot live for both. I can live my life for earthly return, or I can live my life for heavenly reward, but I cannot live for both. It doesn't mean I'm not going to have any return in this earth, but if I live for it, I can't live for him. You can't serve both God and self. It's that simple. It's that straightforward. And I, Let's be real. This is the real battle of soul. Whether we want to admit it or not, this is the battle we all deal with in life. Do I really love the king above everything? And so there's this progression to how this works that I kind of want to just talk through for a moment. Help us understand how our heart and our life works and 
how this works. The first thing is this, is I live for what I love. And the thing that, the thing that I'm living for is because I love it. And most people would say, man, what are you living for? Man, my family. Why, why, would, why would that? You love your family. I live for what I love. Hopefully you would say, I'm living for Jesus because you're in love with Jesus. But I live for what I love. I love what I invest in. I invest in what I set my heart on. And I set my heart on what I set my eyes on. Like the, the things that we set our eyes on, we eventually set our heart, our heart on them. Because our heart is set on them, we love those things and we invest in those things. And because we love those things, we, we live for that. And we can set our eyes on a lot of stuff. You know, one of the hardest things about being devoted to the kingdom of heaven instead of the kingdom of here is we can always see the kingdom of here, but we have to choose to see the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of here is always right here in front of us. It's always all around us. You know, talking about setting our eyes on, on things and, and, and then our, our heart on things, like I, I'm going through this uh, the last couple of weeks. I'm, I'm, in the, I'm, I'm trying to buy a vehicle for a particular price. And um, it's really hard to do right now. I don't know if you know this, but somebody would gladly sell you an absolute piece of junk for $10,000 right now. Like, they're all over the place if you want to buy a piece of junk for about that much money, all right? And so, so I'm out there trying to find a, a vehicle right now. And I'm going to tell you this. Like, I drive an older car that I, I, I typically, I, I like my vehicle. But you want to stop liking your vehicle? Start looking at better ones. Like, all of a sudden, it's a piece of junk, Right, like I've been happy driving it every day except for when I'm at the gas pump. All right, I already, I already kind of put that out there until I go and look at so I didn't, I'm not even looking for a vehicle for me. But every time I'm looking, guess what? Trucks come up. And right now, I'm not, I'm not driving a truck. I'm driving something that's not a truck, which means I feel less like a man. And so, so I want another truck, all right? And, and so, you know, like, it's just there. And like, I, I'm not even out there looking for that, right? But I keep putting my eyes on it. And all of a sudden, because I'm putting my eyes on these things, guess what? It affects how I feel about these things. If you want to be dissatisfied with the Lord's provision in your life, set your eyes on somebody else's. Because we never pick the person who has less. Now, if you want to be dissatisfied with your house, go to the parade of homes every weekend. Oh, I should have this in my house. Nobody but like that one person has that in their house. Right? Like these are different houses. Right? But man, if you want to be dissatisfied with what you've been blessed with, then go around and set your eyes constantly on what you haven't been blessed with. Instead of saying, Lord, whether this is little or much already, I want to be faithful with the little you've given me. And be grateful for it. Man, we... We set our eyes on it. It goes on. It, it kind of works the other way too, though. I set, so I, I set my heart on what I set my eyes on, but I also set my eyes on what I set my heart on. Because I care about something, I, I check up on it. I look at it. I take care of it. You know, a shepherd sets his eyes on his sheep. A good farmer goes out and makes sure the cows are okay and the fences are kept. I, I set my eyes on what I set my heart on. I set my heart on what I invest in. I invest in what I love, and I love what I live for. It works both ways. Now, I'm going to use this as an illustration. I remember, well, according to Wendy, it's the second time I saw Wendy. 
Supposedly I met her after another event when she was still in high school, but I don't remember that one. But I remember the first day I saw her walk into the cafeteria at Louisiana College. And I thought, man, that, that girl's beautiful. And she did not notice me. No. It took about a year for her to pay any attention to me. I was not in the best place in life, so man, I had something to do with it. But anyway, I, but I remember the first time I, I, I set my eyes on her. And you know what? The, the more I did that, the more I began to love her. As our relationship grew, but I, I was seeing her. You're going to know her. I'm going to tell you something else. Today, I, I tell you, I love her way more than I loved her then. But you know why I love her more? Because I'm still setting my eyes on her. And I'm not setting my eyes on somebody else. She's the one whom my soul loves, and I choose for her to be the one whom my soul loves. And I love her more, which makes me want to set my eyes on her more. See how that works? And if you want to love the kingdom of heaven, you need to set your eyes on it. What are you doing in your life to see the kingdom of heaven and not just the kingdom of here? What are you doing? You know, one of the ways I think we see the kingdom, we make a big deal about baptism here. we, We tell the stories, we celebrate. You want to know why? Because this is the kingdom of heaven. When we celebrate this, one one has has, has gone from the darkness to the marvelous light. One who was lost has been found. Man, we celebrate it. Man, we need to see it. Because I can tell you what, the kingdom of heaven is not found in lights or in sound systems or in nice buildings. But man, the kingdom of heaven is us. And what's what's God's doing now, and it's bigger than us, and it's beyond us. What are you doing to set your eyes on it? Did you jump into to Go Week and, and go out and do some of the things that we did that are going to help us as a church to, to clothe those who are naked and to feed those who are hungry and to take care of those who are in need in our community? Because that's setting your eyes on the kingdom of heaven. And we got to make sure we see it. Because if you don't make sure you're setting your eyes on the kingdom of heaven, then you're never going to love it. If you don't love it, you're not going to live for it. And that we have this king who's worthy of everything. You know, the other thing I said is, I invest in what I love, or we, we love what we invest in. And I don't know if anybody else has had this experience, but because we're looking for a car, I was dealing with some financial things, and I had to, I had to pull up my um, retirement investment account, which I try to never look at. My dad gave me advice. He said, Kirk, till you get a certain age, just don't even look at it, right? Because it's going to go up and down. When it's down, just think, I'm buying low. I'm buying low. I'm buying low, right? So I know things are low, so I've been trying not to look at it, right? I don't want to see it. And so the other day, I had to pull it up, and all of a sudden, I saw how much money I do not have, right? Like, I had never felt like I had that money. I hadn't been looking at it. I didn't know, I didn't know that, that a few months back, I had that much more money than I have right now, but now I know what I don't have, right? And all of a sudden, my heart was very unhappy. It had already been true, but I, I wasn't looking at it. Man, it, I mean, if, you invest, if you love something, you're going to invest in it. But man, if you keep investing in something, eventually you're going to love it. Do you love the kingdom of heaven and the king of it? Do we love the kingdom of heaven and the king of it? Do we love him above all things? Is our passion for him, 
greater than our desire for anything here. This is who he's called us to be. And this is who he deserves us to be. I, I, I want to read some things. I hope this helps. I, I, in my sabbatical time, I started writing what I hope becomes a book. And it's on the kingdom of heaven. And talking about this passage, I, I wrote this. One of the interesting things about the kingdom is somewhat, the somewhat regular use of language about accounts and accounting. Here Jesus speaks of building up treasures. There is a presumption here that we will be rewarded for what we do. Like the way he speaks of it, like there's reward. Right? Like if you pray, you're going to be rewarded in heaven. If you give to the needy, you're going to be rewarded to heaven. Like it's just kind of like a given in the way he talks about it, okay? It's, it's a presumption. Um, it is spoken of as a given. It's not being addressed here whether we will or will not be rewarded. What is being addressed here by Jesus is where. Where will you be rewarded? If you do what is right so that you might receive your reward here on earth and with that which is temporary, you will get that reward, but it is the only reward you will get. If you do, not, if you do right, not caring if you are rewarded here, but building up your account in the kingdom of heaven, you will receive the rewards of the king and his kingdom. I talk about how Jesus doesn't really get onto us for being recognized or appreciated. It's, it's doing things in such a way for the sole purpose of that. But I go on, I wrote this. Jesus ends with a strong and often misunderstood statement. He tells us we can only serve one master, which makes sense. You cannot have two kings. The kingdom of heaven does not recognize dual citizenship. You are a sojourner in a foreign land, but you are a citizen of but one kingdom. And that is the kingdom of heaven if Jesus is Lord of your life. You cannot serve both God and mammon. Mammon is passion for wealth and money and things of this world. You cannot serve both self and God. We all will live only faithfully to one king and in one kingdom. This means that if I must lose something that I desire here to be faithful to be who God has called me to be here, then I lose it. I trust God that there is more to gain than what I have given up. I trust my king and my place in his kingdom. My greater affection must always be for the king and his kingdom and not myself and my satisfaction. But I want you to understand this. Yet he has not called me to hate myself. I will have to in many ways deny myself, but it is this odd mixture of priorities. I cannot live my life to serve self, but it is not wrong to have a good thing. Why do these two things, which seem at odds, not, why are they not always at odds? Because my king wants good for me more than I want good for me. He will call me to service and sacrifice and call me to that for his glory. But he wants my good. His glory is to my good. This king loves me. So much he died for me. Ultimately, the love of mammon is a lack of faith in the king. It is the decision that if I do not go and get what is good for myself, I will never get it. I will never get it because he would never give it. Why do we think that way? Why do we think the king doesn't desire to give us what is good? Do you trust the king? Do I trust the Lord to reward? 
Do I trust him to reward? Do you trust the Lord to be who he said he is and to do what he said he would do? And is the reward of the Lord enough? Is it enough? I'm going to tell you, we're going to, we're going to talk some about giving in this series. I want to go ahead and put something out there so you understand. When you give something, you no longer have it. Giving comes at a cost. But do you trust the Lord to reward? Or are you trying to manipulate a return? Because you can't serve both. Do we trust the Lord? That's the real issue. If you're going to live faithfully in, in times that are uncertain, it's going to be built on this, that you trust the King of kings and Lord of lords, the maker and master of the heavens and earth with everything. Because you really, it's difficult to serve God with anything until you trust him with everything. I was going to say it's impossible, but that's not true. I think we grow in that. We start with one thing and we, you know, we grow in it. But it's very difficult to serve the Lord with anything until you trust him with everything. And it's not just about money. It's also about just our salvation. Some of you struggle to trust God to save you. There's people who are sitting in this room who believe in Jesus, but live in doubt whether they're really going to know eternal life with Jesus Christ. They live in doubt and fear. Even though they would say, I've confessed Jesus Christ as Lord, I still deal with this fear. I'm going to tell you why. Because we struggle to believe this truth that's found in Ephesians 2. For by grace you have been saved through faith and this not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no man can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which he prepared in advance for us. The reason why we do any good work is because he has already done a good work. You will not become a good work because of your good work. You will do good work because he has done good work. And it is by his grace. It is not by your work. And some of you think that he saved you day one by his grace, but you're staying saved by your work. And I'm going to tell you, if you believe that, you really don't believe in his grace. You're either saved by grace or you're not. Do you trust the Lord? Have you put your faith in him? I loved what I said, man. He had to get to the point where he actually gave God his sin. Some of you want to give God righteousness, but you're afraid to give him your sin. Some of you, man, you'll, you'll give Jesus all the wrong you've done, but you're, you're, you're afraid to give God the right you're called to do because you don't feel like you're good enough to do it. It's by his grace or it's not. We're saved by grace. And somebody in here needs to let the account be made right by the only one who can make it right. So I'm going to tell you this today. Somebody said, well, I just don't know if I'm good enough. You're not. That's why it's called grace. You're not good enough. I'm not good enough. There is only one who is good, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ who died a cross on a cross that we deserved and was raised from death to light so that we don't, who don't deserve it might be given life. Do you believe in him today? Do you put your faith and trust in him? 
above all other things. Which means for some of you, you have to quit trying to earn it. So that you can be given it. If you've never come to that place of faith, we'd love to have a conversation with you today. We're going to sing a song together while we're singing. If you need to come and speak to myself or one of the leaders up here, we'd love to have that conversation. Hey, today as we started off just kind of talking about money, the truths that Scripture speaks about that, we have this great grow conference coming up. I really do want to encourage you to consider it. It's going to be very practical and biblical all at the same time. Because I believe there's some people in the room right now who would say, man, I really want to be faithful to the Lord with what he's given me, but I don't even know how to start because it's such a mess. And there's some folks who, who can help you walk in that, walk in that. That's, that's what we want to do. We want to help you walk in honoring the Lord with the things you want to honor the Lord with. Let's pray together. Father God, I pray right now, if there's somebody in this place that does not know you as Savior and Lord, I pray, Father God, that you would just speak to their heart and life right now. And that they would trust you, not just partially, not just some, not just believing that it begins with your grace, but that they know that your grace is sufficient in all things. That they would give to you everything. That you might draw them unto yourself. I ask this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.